0: Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Happy New Year from A Different Kind of Walk. Today we are back on the topic of the Camino de Santiago, which is a pilgrimage in Spain that many people hike. Jeff has done it twice, once on foot and once in a wheelchair through the group I'll Push You. So, Jeff, take it away.
1: We have the privilege of having Patrick Gray and Justin Skizik back with us. Uh, I know you've heard from, I think, four people now that were on the Camino with me uh, on podcasts, but these are the two guys that put it all together. So, welcome, both of you. Uh, say hello, Justin. Hello. What's up, Jeff? Okay. Hi,
2: Susan. Good to so see you. So say hello, Patrick. <laughs> hey, Jeff and Susan and all they are listening. I only have one option for a place to be this morning and it's a bit of an echoey room. So is that killing you?
0: No, it's not too bad. I think it was, this isn't the, was it the Coca-Cola room?
2: Coca-Cola room is where I was stuck last time. Yeah, that was
0: really bad. Nice.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> I think it makes you sound holy. Ah, there it is. Yeah. it's a... So that's, I mean, that's powerful and good.
2: <laughs> an angelic noise coming from the background.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. What I'd like to talk about with you guys today is just a little bit about what it's like to plan an accessibility trip, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with that. I hope you know what you do. That's such an impact. So um if you can whoever wants to share um uh maybe just really quick where was the idea to lead these accessibility trips and how has it been putting them together
2: uh Pat you, you want me to start I think Jay to start that one because it was actually uh, his idea originally to to start these things then I I kind of had my input as we were putting things together and then later on we we wound up where we are now. So why don't you start, Jay?
3: Yeah. So, um, okay. So, you know, we did our, our first 500 mile pilgrimage, you know, the whole movie and the book and all that stuff. Um, and then, so, so just another commercial. So
1: make sure everybody out there, if you haven't read, I'll push you and watch the documentary that's on Amazon, which is the 500 mile trip you're talking about for anybody new out there. Yeah,
0: And to clarify more, it was a 500 mile trip with Justin in a wheelchair and Patrick pushing him alone the whole way. And they're like the first people to ever do this. Um, so it was a big deal. Okay, keep going.
3: So, um, you know, we go on this journey. We go on this thing. Movie comes out and a book comes out and all that. Um, so what as the story starts, kind of getting out into the world, I, we started getting, you know, people contacting us uh, through our website and saying, "Hey, you know, I, uh, I ha- I'm i in a wheelchair and I, and I want to be able to, you know, do you have any advice for me wanting to do the Camino, or I can't maybe walk this far, you know, those kind of questions and those kind of requests." And skip ahead, you know, six, seven, eight, nine of these calls, I just. Just said, hey, we should probably see if anybody wants to, you know, do this. So I just called Pat one day. And I said, hey, what do you think about maybe leading a group of people with disabilities on the last 100 kilometers of the Camino? And because um, the last 100K is doable by wheelchair. Uh, there's no mountains you're going over. I mean, it, it's work as, as, you know, Jeff, you know, uh, first. It was hillier. Is work.
1: I remember. I yeah, but, I was thinking after Saria, ah, it was pretty flat. But
3: yeah, no, it's it's work. I right? was wrong. And then, yeah, and you throw wheelchairs in the mix, it's a lot more. But yep. the idea here, the inception of the idea was just more of, well, we have people showing interest and we're just trying to listen to what the world is telling us. And so Pat and I discussed and he's like, yeah, let's just kind of see where this goes. And um, Pat and I have traveled so much together that we know what it takes to, you know, re- as as much as we can remove as many barriers as possible. And, and within the disabled community, if people aren't aware, you know, transportation is always an issue. Uh, accommodations are always an issue uh, because you just can't stay at every at any place and you know if you're in a wheelchair you can't go up a flight of stairs it's all these little nuances of things that you don't even think of so us knowing this ahead of time we we reached out to uh Camino Ways who is our our partner that helped us um out they are based out of Dublin Ireland and they helped us um with our original pilgrimage and we just said hey we were thinking about taking some people with disabilities on the last 100k would you guys be interested in partnering with us and seeing if we can make this work? We can help guide on what's needed and, you know, work with you and and blah, blah, blah. So it took about, I don't know, six months of figuring that out, like working at, you know, figuring out hotels and transportation and those kind of things. And it just, it, the way that it shapes up, it just, when you have a group, especially more than one wheelchair, let's just say anything more than one, it becomes much more complicated uh, in Spain because it's just, it's not, they don't have the rules and regulations that they do here in the United States. So that's how it all kind of started. And we end up getting so many applications that were like, uh, do we put together a second group? Do we, you know, because you know, like I said, we've never done this before. So, uh, two hundred applications, almost a hundred. Is that what it was? But yeah. so I mean, we had, yeah, for twenty something slots. That's not. Pat and I hopped on a f- call with Camino Ways, and they said, "Well, what about just expanding the first group with more slots?" And we're like. uh, okay, that's a lot of people, uh, you know, and they said, well, you can probably go up to 50. There's no difference between, you know, where you're at now and 50 people. We're like, really? And (laughs)
0: Yeah.
3: Um, You know, except they're adults and it's like
2: herding cats, but go on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Um, So
0: that's 50 people. How many wheelchairs is that?
2: On our first trip, we had uh, 10 people in chairs and 37 helpers. So 47 people total. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Which
1: wasn't um, enough,
3: <laughs> um, not
1: enough helpers.
3: Yeah. No. And we had um, a visually impaired um, individual and she was nearly, nearly blind. She was great, man. But um, then I think Pat and I were just trying to make it as seamless as possible. And we let everyone know, like the first round, you guys are our beta group here. Um, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be perfect. We're not going to know exactly, and we're doing our best to, you know, make it the best experience for everybody, but you got to know what you're getting yourself into. It's, it's, this is testing ground for us to see if this is going to work. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. So what's something that in your first round, you're like, we're not doing that again next time.
2: Well, the biggest piece was the ratio. Uh, You know, we have 10 wheelchair users. I mean, I say 37 helpers that also included our film crew and included me, Uh, you know, and I'm kind of directing traffic from the front. Uh, I mean, you subtract our three film guys. So we have 37 people. Now we're down to 34. You subtract me. That's 33. You subtract the gal who's visually impaired. That's 32. So we have 3.2 people per chair to help. And it was, it was so hard. (laughs) Not enough, not enough. So you know, but again, like Justin said, it's, it's a beta group. We go through these these different kind of scenarios, and we come back from this wildly successful trip. I mean, it was hard, and we needed more people, but those those individuals are still getting together off and on. You know, four years later, uh, or three years later, I guess it is now. And so that's what's so cool about these these things. You bring people together from all over the world around one common goal, and the the depth and breadth of the relationships that form, and they're so strong that. It's not like you have a camp in the summer and you hang out and then people lose, you know, lose contact in three, four weeks or a few months. These people are still connected. And we've seen that with other groups as well. I mean, Jeff, we were talking about years earlier, man. I mean, the synergy and the desire to continue these relationships is so strong. And
3: that's what has been so cool about these accessible Caminos. It's just the way it brings people together. Yeah. You know, I think it's something that everyone needs to be aware of as they're listening to this is that when we're putting together these groups, they're not, you guys don't know each other. Like you are complete strangers. I mean, you might have like, you know, in your case, Jeff, you mean, you, you know, Gil, you know, the Thomas, you know, I mean, you had your kind of little mini core within the group, but you didn't know 90%, 95% of the group. So that it's something to be shared is because when we get these applications, there are people from all around the world that apply to this thing. It's now they're not all from the United States. Um, So, you know, you have cultural differences. You have, um, you have complete strangers from the same country that don't know each other. So that first night when we're together, that's the first time literally everyone is meeting one another. (laughs) So you like, now you're skipping what, maybe less than, Like 12 hours later, and here we are on the trail. And from my point of view, it's just so, it's just amazing to see it happen. Worth every ounce of energy that goes into Uh, putting one together, for sure. Good. When you get
2: a bunch of people together that, one, are, are on board for something like this, I mean, there's a certain personality, a certain relational drive that everyone that comes on these has, that is not necessarily something you experience every day. I mean, you might meet someone like that on a vacation, you know, randomly, but when everyone shows up with one objective, um, there's a certain glue that is already taking place. And when we do have those moments where we got to recalculate those moments of stress or struggle, that initial bond, like Justin talked about, even though it's the first night, there's a bonding that occurs. Um, I think that contributes a lot to why people like you guys are still connected because it's not just shared experience, it's shared experience in the face of struggle. And it's a struggle we chose, but it's a struggle nonetheless.
0: When we were interviewing Alexandria Nichols, she um, quoted Donna, who was one of the captains in a chair um, on their Camino. And she quoted her saying, telling you guys, essentially, thank you for making this hard. And so, like, honestly, if, if I'm being honest, like, Justin, your life seems hard. Um, at least physically. And as an able-bodied, fully able-bodied person, I know that my first objective would be to try to make your life easier. Um, but as you guys plan are planning these trips, how do you think about comfort versus challenge for people? Um, and just like allowing things to be hard and mm-hmm. does does it just, it's just like built in because the train's going to be hard or do you actually make intentional decisions to allow things to be challenging? And does that change with each group? Do you make different decisions about what will be comforting or what will be challenging based on the group itself?
3: It's a great uh, question. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. I think you should
2: take this one. Yeah. I remember Donna saying that to us um, and it struck me in a lot of different ways. I don't know that our our baseline motivation was to make it hard, um, but it was to not make it easy. And I think those are two different things, right? You can intentionally make something really, really challenging, or you can choose not to make something easier. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be harder. And so that's kind of where we we, we want this to be accessible to a certain degree. We want to make sure that people can, you know, can go on this journey, but. Our, our primary goal was we want them to have as authentic of an experience in the community as possible. And so there are decisions we make. There are roads we don't take because they're too easy. Um, you know, I mean, you can certainly take a, a road and bypass a rough piece of trail and it'd be smooth sailing. But that, that removes the opportunity for someone to ask for help. It removes the opportunity for someone to step in and offer help. And so those are the moments in life, take the Camino out of it, when you have to set some, um, some, some pride aside and embrace some vulnerability and let someone in because things are challenging, that's when a lot of growth can occur for both the helper and the healthy. Uh, and so that's kind of where we were in a space to do these Caminos. Now, we make decisions for sure. Uh, that can be challenging. Sometimes we offer up, Hey, we got a tough road ahead. Captains are in charge here. What do you guys want to do? And invariably they always choose the harder path, but at the heart of, of every group and every individual, I truly believe there is a desire for purpose and for connection. And within that, to really have purpose and connect with people, um, struggle is required. Um, you don't, you, you don't have a sense of purpose if something just happens super easy, right? You don't have a sense of connection with someone if it just you just sit down and you start talking and there's not shared experience or, or ideas or whatever it might be. The Camino itself, especially these accessible Caminos, offer all those things. They offer an, a sense of purpose, not just for someone who's help, coming to help, but someone who's in a chair. It, it, it was really interesting to watch someone who really wanted to help somebody else. And have to let go of that control. I think about Donna in particular, she is, she is fighting her way across the strain. And it's, it was such a struggle, Mm -hmm. but in that moment, she needed to be able to do it on her own. And it was a great lesson for one of the individuals who's wanted to help her. He was there, he was ready, but he also honored her struggle by stepping back. And it was so hard for him talking to him afterwards. He was like, I, I, I just. I wanted to jump in so bad. Mm. Especially when she tipped and looked like she was almost going to go over. Almost, yeah. yeah. And I hope what I'm saying is making sense because mm-hmm. that that specific moment, it was hard. It was so hard for Donna.
3: I think it was equally hard for Ron.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. You know, Donna, I mean, I'm sitting there watching this unfold. And, you know, I've been in that position. I've been there where you know, in my disability journey, cause I have a progressive neuromuscular disease, look kind of like you, Jeff, where, um, you know, it's, I mean, there's been times where I've, you know, fallen on the floor out of my wheelchair and I've had to climb up back on my wheelchair and it took every ounce of energy for me to get there. Um, you know, those moments suck <laughs> in the moment um, or at that time, but then you, I look back and go, it's kind of, it's the sharpening of me, you know, for me to grow as an individual, for me to challenge and push myself beyond what I think I'm capable of doing at this time. And when you, if you were to step in and make it easier, um, you're also removing that opportunity for somebody to grow too. So, you know, Pat and I, when we've put these groups together, you know, there is, I don't know, there are moments as pat has mentioned where we've we've made things i mean we've made decisions kind of behind the scenes to not make it easy to make sure that people have the experience that you know that they're there for so we've always decided, you know kind of seen ourselves as the conductors and the group is the symphony making the music
0: so i hear you say that and i believe it's completely genuine and honest and i logic like in my mind i understand the concept of like choosing the difficult path is better in the long run and all that stuff i completely agree do you still have days where you wish the things were just easier me yeah
3: yeah of course (laughs)
0: <laughs> just i feel like i just needed you to be i don't know be able to admit yeah. that <laughs> yeah. otherwise I mean, you're just superhuman
3: no 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 i'm no there i mean there's days i mean there's it's not times where i'm just like i'm tired of sitting in a stupid wheelchair like i just want to get up stand up stretch get my hips below me and get every muscle out, pop my back into place. And then I'll sit back down again. Like, you know, I have those moments. I have those moments of frustration. I have those moments of, you know, like I don't want to be patient right now. You know, I kind of want this to be moving alone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like I have to be, I'm reliant upon other people to feed me. Sometimes I'm hungry and I would like to eat quicker than when somebody is feeding me. Like, I wish I could just grab a spoon or a fork and just eat my dinner myself. I mean, it's like, but those moments, you know, I always have to kind of look back and, or think through it at the time and go, okay, well, I wouldn't be here or had these experiences or being able to be on this journey with Patrick or to even be here on this, you know, this interview today without having the struggles without having the challenges that I've had or that we've had together. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like this pendulum, you know, that swings for me and there's days I'm just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it'd be much easier. I mean, we I've, I've literally just had this conversation with my wife the other day. I was like just watching somebody get on it. We're watching this YouTube video Somebody's just getting on an, on an airplane. It's like, what would I give to just walk on an aircraft and sit down? Like <laughs> and get up and leave when the airplane lands <laughs> like it's such a process for me to do it um and it's would be so much easier just get up grab my bag get off the aircraft and off yep. i go
1: need to ask you a question for both of you. I would love to hear, after putting these trips together, after working with all these different personalities, um, after struggling through pandemic and all the challenges of the waiting, all kinds of things there, how is God messing with you? What's God doing in your heart? Um. And when I say messing with you, I don't really mean that in a bad way, but, you know, just
3: stirring things. Um, I would probably say the best analogy I could give in my current state is like I was this Lego set that was built this one way and now I've been completely torn apart, turned the box upside down and all the Legos are on the ground ready to be reassembled
1: uh,
3: into something new and um, you know, I mean, I think we had chats on this, um, you know, Jeff, on the, on the, on our Caminos this summer, you mean Pat and I've had this discussion. It's just like, we've been through a lot the last, you know, nine, nine years or so and it's just like, okay, well, where, where is, where are we going here? Where, what's, you know, and me and I'm doing, I'm asking myself this question. Like I go through the experiences of being on the Camino with, you know, our two different groups we had this summer and seeing firsthand what we've been talking about today. Right. We lived through it. And then I juxtapose that with the world that we're in and i don't know how this is going to be received so i'm just going to say it how christians in this world can behave the way that they've been behaving and expect the world to to respect who they are Mm. and to see god through that right and i've been really wrestling and i've been really wrestling with that and almost completely tearing down everything that I have built in my life from since I was born Mm
0: -hmm. to
3: everything I have known about God or have, you know, and then seeing the world hurt and seeing the world being treated the way they've been treated by people who claim to love God and where do I fit? in that and to be honest with you i've really really have struggled with that i don't even want to set foot in a church building and and i'm really kind of hanging on by a thread to you know what i've known to what i'm relearning and getting rebuilt on and um and it's been, a, it's been a rough road. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been good. You know that we're talking about making things easy or not mm-hmm. being easy. I've been a not being easy place. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm being sharpened. I'm yeah. being pushed. I'm being torn down and rebuilt. And I'm hoping that however I'm rebuilt is an example of where, what God calls us to be.
0: thank you for saying that um justin it's helpful for me most of the things you said are things that i've heard millennials and under talk about um i don't actually know how old you guys are but i assume you're a little bit older than me um and it's
1: it's they're about 10 years older than you 47
0: there you go Nice. Almost exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's helpful for me to hear people who are older than me essentially say that they too are looking around and seeing that things are not right and that they're upset with how Christians have handled things. It's, it's just helpful for me to know that it's not just young people. Um, I mean, my husband, the pastor, I, I, we church planted we have a very small church um and I feel like this is a conversation we have like every day this is that's how you feel is very similar to how we feel but we like run a church so we can't leave <laughs> um, sort of like I don't want to leave I don't want to I don't want to give up on it but man it can be really hard so oh, sorry, Patrick, uh, the floor is yours now.
2: Well, I, I mean, just and I are, you know, <laughs> kind of in the same place with regard to that. It's when you go on these journeys and you see people from different faiths, you know, different uh, cultures, different, um, I mean, ideologies that can come together in such a profound way that can set aside differences and just love well. When we do these journeys and we face these struggles together again, chosen struggles, we face these struggles together. That I see Jesus outside of the church more than I see him inside of the church.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And why is that? There's two narratives in scripture. Um, there's the empire narrative and there's the shalom narrative. And God always calls us back to shalom. And right now, the church I see wants empire. Mm-hmm. They want coercion, they want control. And I'm done with that. I'll have no part. And so the more I dig in, the more curious I am, the more I fall in love with Jesus and the less and less of yeah. the church. Yeah. When we do these journeys and hey, guess what? Let's show up and love well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's biblical. Yeah. <laughs> That's biblical.
0: Yeah. So in the church that I help lead, we feel that a lot. And I think the conclusion we've come to is that the doors are open. The doors right. have to be open for everyone, for anyone who wants to come in. So you guys are welcome to be around anytime you want. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you are certainly not the first and you won't be the last people that I talk to that have those kind of challenges. And so I don't have time to preach, but my encouragement to you would be uh, go old. <laughs> um Go back to the church fathers and mothers and get some of their writings and how they dealt with such a cruel world has really helped me in my faith. It's a good place to go to start to heal yourself a bit. So, yeah, yeah, I I hope you find that place because being within communities that want to love the way Jesus loved uh, is beautiful.
0: Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. Until next time, live well.